0: In each of our lives, there are places where we feel completely stuck. Sometimes it's us who continues to drive that nail deeper. Sometimes it's situations outside of our control. Maybe you've tried to pull the nail out for years and try as you might, it just seems impossible. But what if there was a way to experience lasting freedom and hope? What if there was a way to break free? Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the 1115. We're so glad that you're here today. You know, it was amazing. I don't know why, but a whole bunch of people got baptized at the 930 service or something like a football game or something this afternoon. I don't know. But uh, what I loved is the fact that Brandon's baptism mattered and you helped make it matter. And I think that's just so unbelievably beautiful when we can enter into those moments together. So thank you for celebrating. I could hear you backstage and I was deeply, deeply inspired I also want to say hello to, I don't know how it worked today, but I got multiple texts from people who are watching our 1115 service in Hawaii. And so I want to say uh, thank you for triggering the sin of envy in me. I appreciate that. <laughs> Hope you're enjoying the sun where you are because there's no sun here. And I um, always love it when we know that the reach of the family is, is big. Uh, this Tuesday is Valentine's Day. To the gentlemen in the room, you have been duly served with notice. Don't mess it up, just saying, okay? But we did a special Valentine's Day podcast with doctors Les and Leslie Parrott. If you don't know, the Parrots live in Seattle. They are incredible marriage and family relationship experts. And we had an opportunity to have a conversation with them. The conversation was so rich, and it was so fun. And we were able to laugh and learn at exactly the same time. We dropped it on Friday, and I just want to encourage you. If you need some encouragement in your relationship, it's a great conversation to listen to. If you think your marriage is perfect, um, you may want to talk to your spouse about that because every relationship I've ever run into always needs work, and the truth is, the podcast is for everyone, regardless of your relational status. So it doesn't matter if you're single, married, divorced, second marriage, broken up, doesn't matter. God is doing something and has something for all of us. I hope you'll take the opportunity to listen in on that so we're wrapping up a series this week called break free the entire series has been rooted in an amazing declaration that jesus made in the eighth chapter of the book of john it says this very truly i tell you everyone who sins is a slave to sin now a slave has no permanent place in the family but a son or daughter belongs to it forever so if the son sets you free you will be free indeed Week after week, step after step, we've been walking out this journey. The journey has been confronting and trying to, to, to figure out how do we gain victory over those long-standing habitual sins that seem just so resistant to our effort to break free. And as we wrap up this series, we're not wrapping up the work. The hard work of recovery lasts for a lifetime, but I'm gonna remind you of something. It's a promise of God in scripture. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, which means those who are courageous enough to enter into this battle for freedom, the payoff is victory. We just finished singing about it. His name is victory. Pastor Ryan Irvin. Talked about this work in another podcast that we just recently um, set out with he and his brother, Miles. And, and Ryan said something that just captivated my heart. He said, he goes, you know, re- recovery is often viewed as an absence of something. And that's good, right? The alcohol is gone. The porn is gone. The insecurity is gone. The anger is gone. And that's so good. But Ryan said, we need to remind people there's so much more. That's the other question. What are you recovering In the absence of that besetting sin, you have the opportunity to to recover hope, to recover clear thinking, to recover the time that you used to spend chasing a high that you could never attain, to recover the joy of a restored relationship, to recover the peace that we all desire as human beings. So with all of that in mind, what I wanna do today is to give you uh, 12 small blocks of wood they're going to help you remove the nail. Some of you are like, Grand, I don't know what you're talking about. You've lost me already. So when I was a kid, I used to have the opportunity to go up to my dad's shop and I would work for him in the summertime. My dad was a dairy equipment guy. And, and, and so when I went to work for my dad, for those of you who love cows, I'll tell you what it was that I got to do. I got to repack pneumatic pulsators. I got to scrub bulk tanks with Zinnesin. I got to link barn cleaner chain and I got to unplug manure pumps. Yay! great work and whenever that work was done my dad would always say the same thing there's always time to pull nails so we would pull nails from pallet boards or packing material and I remember a moment when I'm a 12 year old kid and I'm outside and I'm breaking a sweat trying to pull this one nail I couldn't recreate it if I wanted to but I had done everything to try and get the nail out of the board. I had, I had pulled, I had done everything. I'd been working on extracting that nail for a really, really long time. And the hammer, the physics, and my 12-year-old strengths were being defied by a piece of metal that was stuck in a chunk of wood. And I was frustrated. I'm like, why won't this thing come out of this chunk of wood? And I remember my dad walked out, saw what was happening and said, hey Grant, sometimes you just need a little help. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously? All he did was change the leverage and add a little bit of help and suddenly th- the nail broke free. Today I want to give you 12 pieces of biblical wisdom I'll call it a variation on 12 steps If that'll help And every single one of them Is going to help you break free And we're going to have to move And I want to give credit Where credit is due Because a lot of this series Was inspired by an article Written by a guy named Gregory Brown And the good people of Bible.org And so with credit being Where credit is due Here we go If we're going to have victory Over besetting or habitual sin This is what has to happen Some of this is review Some of it's new Here we go You need to identify the sin Hebrews 12.1 Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything. So that's the goal, is to remove sin from our life, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We do wanna deal with all the sin in our life, but we all know that, that there tends to be that one thing that just keeps tripping us up over and over and over again, and we have to name it with courage and strength It's adultery. It's anger. The rage that scares my children. It's the alcoholism that's stealing my life. It's the gluttony that's devastating my health. It's that judgmental attitude that devalues other human beings. It's the prejudice that I feel in my heart that also devalues and dehumanizes other people. It's that critical attitude that's ultimately going to alienate me from everyone if I keep pushing in that direction. I name it with courage and strength and then I accept how vulnerable I am to that pattern of sin any of us who think we have arrived are on the precipice of falling on our face Proverbs 16 says pride goes before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall I have to humble myself and acknowledge that in spite of my best effort to be free, I'm in bondage and the power of God is my only hope. And I have to learn how to speak out loud the truth. I am weak, but... Jesus is my liberator, my emancipator, my bondage breaker, my refuge, and my strength. Jesus is greater than all of my sin, and through his victory on the cross, I can and will walk in the fullness of the freedom that he has promised to me, which means I will not pretend that I'm okay, all that, just fine, getting through, doing great, or simply awesome. Instead, I'm gonna live in the reality that my victory can only come through and by the victorious one that I am seeking following and emulating can somebody say amen to that i mean for those who think that they can figure it out on their own can i ask you a very a very blunt question how's that been working for you so far i name it i acknowledge how vulnerable i am to it and then i avoid temptation at all cost first thessalonians 5 22 reject every kind of evil some translations will say avoid even the appearance of evil we crossed the line from preaching to meddling last week we made this personal for all of us if you want to be free you got to stop going where you know you're going to be tempted if you want to be free you've got to stop hanging with people who you know are going to lead you down the wrong path this is true you show me your friends i'll show you your future If I want to be free, I can't get on that descending cycle that I know too well. I've got to choose a better path, the Jesus path. Jesus said there's two roads. One is broad, lots of people find it, it's super popular, and it leads to destruction. There's another road, it's narrow and difficult and challenging and not very well traveled, but it ultimately will lead to freedom. And you've got to pick between the two roads. Don't invent a third option. There isn't one. Two roads. That's it. So I acknowledge my vulnerability. I name it. I avoid temptation at all costs. And then I have to do something that's just so painful. I've got to recognize the pain my sin has caused in others. First Corinthians 5, 6. Your boasting is not good. Do you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? I love fresh bread. Anybody else? I like the smell of it. I like the taste of it. It's just good. I remember walking on the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem, and there was a Jerusalem baker putting out what are known as Jerusalem bagels. They're about this big. and he was stacking them and the smell I mean it was unbelievable and what I knew was that baking process started with yeast working its way through a whole batch of bread dough and it's an amazing picture you go oh that just sounds so good unless what's working through your life and the lives of people is your repeated and repetitious sin so what do you do? Jesus told us The Bible says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister, and let me expand it out, or your son or daughter or parent or grandparent or friend or enemy or husband or wife or child or teenager or boss or employee, if you remember they have something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled and then come and offer your gift. Make it right. Another place in Scripture says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You are not responsible for their reaction, you're responsible for your obedience. So I recognize this pain that my sin has caused in others. I make it right. And then I choose to stop living in my own strength, and I choose to live by faith. Proverbs 3, verse 5 trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Most of us read that first part and it's just like, got it, trust God. That's what I'm supposed to do. How do I do that? I do that by refusing to lean on my own understanding. It's not about my intelligence, my wisdom, or my smarts. Instead, I exchange what I know for what I God knows. I take my limited understanding and I exchange it for the all-knowing wisdom of God that comes into my life through scripture and discerning prayer. And I choose to fight that battle, not with my own strength, my plans, and my self-regulated truth. No, I choose to fight that battle with God's strength, God's purpose and plan, and his absolute truth. I live by faith, not by flexing to the wisdom of the world. And then none of us are going to like what comes next but it's so essential. Then I welcome God's discipline. Do you get that? I don't run from God's discipline. I welcome it. Now let's have a transparent moment. Nobody likes discipline. No one enjoys consequences. No one likes the predictable outcome of shame and hurt when we run back to a sin that we know is killing us from the inside out. The truth is this, we have a heavenly father who loves us enough to not allow little narcissistic monsters to turn into big narcissistic monsters. He loves you enough to correct your path. Okay, let's reset the whole conversation for just a second. Has anyone else noticed there are consequences for sin? Sin wrecks stuff. Sin wrecks lives, health, relationships, legacies, reputations, bodies, futures, families, businesses, dreams. I can keep going if you need me to. Sin wrecks that, but the loving discipline of God helps correct and place you back on the right path because your heavenly father wants something for you. God doesn't want sin to wreck you. And if you welcome his discipline, it won't. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible's talking about godly parents who are willing to discipline. Mom and dad, can I just tell you something? If you're not disciplining your children, you're not loving your children. Somewhere we've lost that along the way. That's not the way God operates. Hebrews 12 says they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it therefore strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees (laughs) that's like God saying come on people be strong Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. We need to understand how God postures himself in these moments. The goal of God's discipline is not condemnation. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it's also not just so God can have a display of power. Absolutely not. God disciplines because it's an act of love that ultimately will bring healing if we embrace it. I welcome God's discipline and then I recognize and receive God's gracious response. Romans chapter two, verse four. Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience? Not realizing that it's God's kindness that is intended to lead you to repentance. So first comes God's discipline and if we're oriented in the right way, we can say, God, thank you for the lesson. It was not easy to learn, but I got it, I got it. God's discipline and then it's always followed up by God's grace here's God's grace to you the Bible says the wages of sin is death which means everything we've ever done wrong that's the deserving punishment but here's the beautiful thing about Jesus he doesn't give us what we deserve he gives us what we don't deserve we deserve death and judgment you know what he gives us instead grace how amazing is that grace grace unmerited favor the gift of God to every person who's ever broken his heart he still offers grace we, we sing this song every once in a while I know we sing it I wonder if we really really hear it in the depth of our soul 930 didn't let me down 1115 I hope you don't let me down either You ready? Here we go. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now. Blind, but now I see is it amazing how many people know that song why because it bears witness to a gift of God that's in the depth of all of us God sees me his heart is for me and in his kindness he offers me a way home so I recognize and receive God's gracious response and then this is what has to happen I have to anchor my heart in my true spiritual identity Second Corinthians 5 therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come old is gone the new is here I anchor my heart in true spiritual identity I have been carrying around one of these bookmarks in my Bible for years. Years ago, we made up a whole bunch of these. It's just entitled "Who I Am in Christ." And I'll tell you what, when I forget who I am in Christ, I grab this and I just look at it and it reminds me. Nine thirty cleaned us out this morning, but our communications team went and like they threw together a whole bunch more and they're out in the comments so you can grab them. Sometimes I need to be reminded I'm accepted. I've been justified. I have been adopted as God's child. I've been established, anointed, and sealed by God Himself. I can find grace and mercy in every time of need. I'm significant because I am God's temple, I am seated with Christ in heavenly realms. I can approach God with freedom and confidence. And I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If you ever forget who you are, it starts with being reminded whose you are. Let's keep moving. I anchor my heart and then I make a decision. I choose love over fear. 1 John 4 says there's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. So I have to choose, I have to choose to believe God loves me, which means I can love me. And because God loves me and I can love me, it means I can love other people. That's how it works. I've struggled with that my whole life. I've struggled believing. I know this is crazy. Some of you are like, Grant, you're a pastor. How can you struggle with the love of God? I struggle with the love of God every single day. I so believe he has grace for you. There's just this little unbelieving part of me that struggles to believe. That he could love me too. Thank you. And that's, That's the growth we're all experiencing together. Just in the last couple of years, I'm finally starting to let the love of God drop from a formulaic experience in my mind, 18 inches to right here. And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't trade this journey for anything. Now, one of the best ways that we can show that we know God loves us, and so we can love us, and we can love other people, one of the best ways we show that is to qu- quickly confess when we get it wrong. We all know 1 John 1, 9, right? If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just, will forgive us our sin, purify us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Jesus, I'm forgiven. That's great. And yet we still get stuck in these cycles, right? God, I'm sorry, and I promise, if you get me out of this, I will never, ever, ever do it again. Until the next time. Sin and repent, sin and repent, sin and repent. We've got to break that cycle. My wife, Laurel, has felt the depth of my besetting sins repeatedly. That's what happens when you're married to somebody for more than three decades. The grace that she's shown me time after time is humbling. She learned that from Jesus. And I'll tell you what, I've learned. I go to God easily, that's the the easy part, boy. I just wish I came back to her with the same kind of ease. I remember a moment when she said this to me. I need more than your I'm sorry. I need you to change. That is a reasonable and gracious request. And it makes me wonder. I wonder what would happen if we measured our spiritual maturity in how quickly we owned our own failures in the presence of another human being. I wonder what would happen if we could all grow up just a little and move beyond this little trite, I'm sorry, and if we could move to, I know what happened. I sinned against you, and I want to tell you why I'm sorry before I ask for your forgiveness. Do you see the difference? That's the next one. Here it comes, accept full responsibility for my own actions. Romans chapter six, here's the apostle Paul. He asks a question. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Like, should we just keep doing all the wrong things so we can experience amazing grace over and over and over again? And the Paul, say, Paul says this. He goes, by no means. The Greek is meganoita. Let me translate it for you. Absolutely not. May it never be. You got to say it with that kind of passion. That's what he meant. He says, no, we are those who died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father that we too may live a new life, breaking free. He also says, for if we've been united with him in a death like his we will also certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with so that we should no longer be slaves to sin this is how it works free people take full responsibility free people don't use their freedom as a license to do whatever they want to Free people understand exactly what their liberation costs Jesus. They hold it deep in their heart and they don't cheapen it by committing the same thing over and over and over again. And then finally, I give myself fully to a pattern of new living. 1 Corinthians 15, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, oh, here come two really good words. Stand firm. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Breaking free becomes real when you can take your pain and your healing and your victory and offer it to somebody else who's at the beginning of that journey in pain. Why? So that they can experience the same victory that you have. John Maxwell, a well-known leadership teacher, says this. I'll say it twice so you can catch it. People change when they heard enough they have to, when they see enough they're inspired to, when they learn enough that they want to, or when they receive enough they're able to. Let me say it again. People change when they heard enough they have to, when they see enough they're inspired to when they learn enough that they want to or when they receive enough that they're able to. This has been my prayer for the last six weeks and we're gonna turn a corner and go in a different direction next week. Here's my prayer. My prayer is that you've hurt enough, that you have received enough, that you've learned enough and that you've been inspired enough to want to turn towards Jesus and not away from him So that you can find the true change that you've been seeking all these years. So every week it's been one question, one truth, one step. One question. Will you take the freedom that Jesus offers? He's offering you amazing grace, whether you feel qualified or not. (laughs) Will you take the freedom that Jesus offers? One truth. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Do you remember back to the very first week of the series? I told you an unverified story. Nobody knows if it's true or not about Harry Houdini. He used to show up in a town, and he used to go to the town jail and say, lock me inside of a cell, and I'll get out. And it was a publicity stunt, so people would come and see his show. Uh, Once again, unverified story. Nobody knows if it's true or not. But they say that the one time that Houdini couldn't break out is because he spent two hours trying to pick a lock that was never locked in the first place. Door was open the whole time. Do you understand today that Jesus is standing at the prison cell of your sin with the door open? He's holding it saying, I want you to come out. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It doesn't make any sense to me at all that I would sit inside of there and say, pass. I like it here. I'm content with this. Will you take the freedom Jesus offers? It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And then one more thing. Which block of the 12 blocks are you going to put to work today? I can preach it, but if you don't apply it, it really doesn't do anything. What I know is this at the end of the video, every single week for the last six weeks, if you were listening closely, you could hear the nail not only get pulled out of the wood, but fall to the floor. You can be free. Think we're going to leave it right there. Over the last number of weeks, we've been doing something a little different at the end of the service. Sometimes we sing a song to help focus us on Jesus. Other times we'll pray together before we go. Here's what we're going to do today. Last week, we had members of the after service prayer team come stand up here across the front, and people came and we just prayed together. And it's important that you don't walk out of here feeling as alone as maybe you came in. And so I want to invite you into a moment of prayer. Game doesn't start till three, you're good. But these moments of prayer are breakthrough moments. I got to pray with a young man today. This was his question to me. He goes, are you trying to tell me that God can forgive everything I've done? Yes, he can, he can. He can set you free. Whatever prayer you need today, we would love to do that. So I'm actually gonna ask after-service prayer team members, pastors that are kind of kicking around the room, if you'll come up and stand up here across the front. Thanks, Justin. Thank you, Stacy. Here we come. They're coming this direction. Thanks, Nance. Awesome. Rick and Ann are over here too. We just want you to know there's a safe place here for you. If you're at home right now, you can go to prayer.ctk.church. If you fill out a prayer request for us, I'll tell you what will happen. We will send that out to a prayer army of people who would love to pray for you. They would just so love to pray for you. So you have a choice to make. Maybe you need prayer, maybe you don't, but I want you to know it's here waiting for you. And these folks, my good friends, are standing up here across the front because that's their ministry. So would you stand with me? We're gonna pray together and then I'm gonna give you an opportunity. If you need prayer to come this way, God, let's pray. Jesus, thank you on this uh, beautiful Sunday where we've seen people baptized and have celebrated with them. God, in this moment, I pray for those who who need a community to come around them and say, it's okay, we'll pray. Lord, maybe the need is with breaking free. Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe it's a healing physical. Lord, whatever it is, you know. So God, for our friends and family that are at home today or watching on the beach in Hawaii (laughs) or standing here with me right now, Lord, I thank you that the door is open and that your response is always grace. So Lord, we welcome you into this prayer moment. Lord, for those who need to sit and just rest for a few minutes, I pray that they would. For those who need to come forward and receive prayer, I pray that they would. For those who are just moving on with their day, God, I pray that they would grab a bookmark and be reminded again whose they are. So Lord Jesus, we give you thanks today for all the work you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend.